Hello and welcome back to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. This is episode five of the new Playable Futures mini-series, which is hosted right here on your regular GI podcast feed. I'm Will Freeman, I'm a freelance game journalist, long-time GI contributor and host of the Playable Futures podcasts. Today we've got a great one, it's a double interview where we're going to dive into the future of game publishing and kind of the opportunities and challenges and shifts that lay ahead for that space. So I sat down with Thomas Hegarty, director of Oli Oli and Roller Drone Studio Roll7, and Jean-Paul Hardy, general manager of Gearbox Publishing Amsterdam, and we discussed how they've seen things change and where they see things are going. If this is your first episode, Playable Futures as a project gathers insights from industry veterans and leaders, creative visionaries, and people generally shaking up what games can be. Why we want to peer into their future of gaming, where this amazing space is going. You can already check out the previous episodes for insights from people like the United Nations, Playtonic, Sega's Amplitude Studios, many more, a real mix. But for now, let's get on with this episode. I want to briefly thank our project partners, Yuki and Diva Agency, for working with us to make Playable Futures possible. But that's enough for me for now. Let's dive into the conversation. Hey, so JP and Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about kind of where publishing's going. Really lucky to have, you know, someone from the world of publishing and over on Roll7 side. You guys have been through many different versions of what self-publishing and publishing can be. Before we dive into that conversation, it'd be great to just hear a little introduction. You know, hopefully our listeners know already, but um, kind of who you are and what you do in games. So JP, let's start with you. Um, my name is John Paul Hardy. Everybody calls me JP because nobody can pronounce my name correctly. Um, I'm the general uh, manager for uh, Gearbox Publishing Amsterdam. Um, it's a relatively new office for Gearbox in Europe. And we've only started uh, in February of 2020. And Tom, what, what is it you get up to? As if I didn't know. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so I am Tom Hegarty. I am the co-studio head and co-founder of Roll7. We set up in 2008. And we're probably best known for the Oli Oli series, but recently we've also released uh, Rollerdrome about a woman on roller skates with a gun. Great. And let's, you know, let's dive straight into the conversation by, I'll tell you what, actually, I was going to ask about kind of where publishing is, but it'd be great to hear, like, first of all, Tom, I'm going to stick with you. Like, you've explored publishing in a number of ways, right? Like, what types of publishing have been part of Roll7's history? Sure. Did you start publishing or self-publishing? So we very much started on the self-publishing. So yeah, we've gone from self-publishing to then funded, but still self-published all the way through to you know what we're doing now and acquired and having that publishing out there via private division. Um, but yeah, it's when we started out, we actually funded our own. It was an initial mobile game called Gets to the Exit. And we completely underestimated what publishing was uh, and everything it encompasses all the way from release management through to the marketing side as well. We know if we thought as a lot of people do, let's just work on the game. Then we will go to develop, which is maybe where I met yourself, Will, and we'll just tell people about the game. And before you know it, we'll be rising up that app store. Um, I had a an Excel sheet, you know, with how much we've made when it did a million units, when it did 2 million. Um, I think it made about 364 pounds. Um, 
<laughs> in total lifetime. So that was a kind of a big realization for us that we needed to take it much more seriously. Um, so with Ollie Ollie, um, that was kind of the next step on. So PlayStation funded development, but we needed to self-publish that. And we took it very seriously. And I spent a lot of time researching various journalists um, who were interested in the Vita, who might be interested in skateboarding. Again, how we met yourself, Will. Um, and just saying, this is our story. We've got something interesting here. It's a Vita exclusive. We're bringing back skateboarding. And that allowed us to... I think that got us a lot of traction because people were interested in that story and we realized, right, you need an angle. Um, and we're really pleased with how that first Ollie Ollie was received and it did really well for us as a studio. But then you start to realize, right, okay, there's, a, there's another limit here. There's kind of a ceiling where you can get to without that wider support. And from there, that's where we started exploring um, publishers. And I think I've got the timeline right. I think Devolver were actually our first publisher uh, with not a hero, and that's when we saw the kind of power of the support that they provide, uh, all the way through from talking about your game, uh, how's it going, putting milestones in place, uh, and then obviously that release management, the post-launch support, and the marketing that goes on time. That's really interesting. You've kind of been on a journey, kind of in synergy with publishing being on a journey almost. And I'm thinking, JP, like you know, I guess publishing used to be. Awareness of the game, releasing the game, marketing, distribution, unless you use a separate distributor. But now, like, I guess to get to my question, I'll put this to you, JP, is like, how is publishing changing at the moment? And how is Gearbox as a publisher kind of, what are you attempting to do with that almost? Um, like, what, can, what, what does publishing include in 2022? It's a very good question. I... Uh... Like if you look back at the last couple of years, you see that things have been changing dramatically in the last uh, uh, five to ten years, and that 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 change that it's only picking up speed, um, and it's evolving so rapidly uh, that you just have a hard time um, holding on. Um, it's um, I remember when I just started in the industry, you just launched and left and print was king. And if you had the budget, you would do TV. And then it was all of a sudden, it was like, oh no, um, uh, online, that is the holy grail of uh, uh, marketing and, and, and publishing and, and things like that. And then I've seen like 20 holy grails come uh, come by since then. And uh, these days it's all about uh, uh, data driven and things like that. So um, what the, what is publishing at this moment? It is so many things and it only gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you don't limit yourself uh, and focus on key areas, you're going to get spread so thin, uh, you won't be able to do everything uh, uh, properly. Right, that's really interesting. So we might almost be moving... I, I love that, right? Games, they're not just getting bigger and played by more people, they're becoming broader as a medium. There's more different types of game, different types of audiences. So does that mean perhaps we'll see even large publishers 
specialize more in the future like is that jp just to continue what we're saying there do you do you think that's something publishers are going to have to do more and more is kind of pick their strength um or is it about being adaptable i think it's about being adaptable i think uh, 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 if you don't adapt uh, pivot quickly uh, you're going to be left behind uh, and things change so rapidly um, we've seen so many things come and go uh, over the last couple of years. And if you uh, keep getting stuck in your old ways, um, you're going to be left behind. And just, just to come in on that as well, is, is, it's a really interesting point in terms of how broad it's become. Well, I remember conversations six, seven years ago where people were telling us, it's like, you're not going to need a publisher now. Like, you know, Steam, Steam's grown. There it is. You just put your game out and you've got your audience. And I think, yeah, there was a thought about that for maybe six months that that was the way. But, you know, as JP said, it is so broad now. Uh, so much more has come into it. You need that that support. For some people, it obviously still does work to be self-publishing and there's, there's still a space mm, for yeah. it. It's a hugely yeah. different landscape to what we had in even five years ago. And, you know, what, what do you file, Tom, you're needing from a publisher i'm thinking of things like you know of course there's live ops there's things like the new significance of community right it's about more than just playing your game like are you finding it yeah are you finding you just need to get they need to get your game out and handle some marketing or or is are you finding you need more from a publisher now yeah i mean obviously the, the marketing is that that crucial piece and it, it's so specialized and obviously as we've grown our ambition and our, our budgets grow there's obviously more risk attached to, to what we're we're doing we can't just hope you know we've hit the right the right notes we have to kind of do the analysis and that's what working with the publisher and now working pro division has been really good for kind of looking at kind of what our comps might be kind of really drilling down into what is our audience that's something really key for us at the, the moment that has been recently and in the early days we weren't doing that work we were just saying this feels good this is a cool idea let's do this and not that we're driven by the data or informed by what an audience wants um sorry we are informed by what an audience wants but we don't let that make yeah, a decision yeah. you come up with an idea and mm -hmm. then yeah. you stress test it uh, against these barriers and i think that's a really important role for publisher um especially a kind of that they're the, the bigger budget end, indeed. Uh, you've then also got um, everything from if you're doing uh, localization with your voiceovers as well. That is a huge job in terms of finding the talent to actually be the voices. Then if you've got to do that in several other languages as well, that's, that's a complete new kind of management skill and operations um, group of people you need to get that right. What, I, what I'd like to think is that a, a good publisher uh, knows and helps the developer uh, to bring their vision of a game, what they're trying to tell with the game, across to as many people as possible. And that that sounds rather cheesy and 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 easy to do, but it's it is not easy at all because uh, you're talking to so many people and uh, everybody has an opinion and. Um, before you know it, your original concept of or the original idea you have with the game gets turned into something it is not anymore, and that and then your community and the consumer will instantly pick up on that. 
Interesting. And I guess, you know, you're making me realise, like, yeah, live ops, like a development doesn't end on release. You continue make, making stuff. The kind of development part of a game's creation is extending to after release or has done for some years. You're making me realise, are we... Is this a movement happening with publishing and the other direction, getting more involved earlier, being more there at the development element or the beginning of the production process? Like, is that it's a question to either of you? Might might we see more crossover between developer and publisher in the coming years? JP, you're starting to maybe nod. Well, um, I would love to. I think I think as a publisher to be to have a seat at the table as early as possible, I think really benefits both parties because um, a publisher might be able to tell you like, hey, that is a great idea of a game of, or mm-hmm. of a concept, and, but it might not going to work so well or uh, it's going to be a hard sell uh, to your uh, community or consumer. And, um, and and that's what what I think is great about Gearbox because we are a developer as well, and we have such a, a development pedigree. So we know what what uh, developers uh, are going through, what uh, challenges they face, and we know how to uh, help with that, navigate that, and um, get that um, get that done properly. And yeah, from a, the the other side, the developer's point of view, it's it's very easy to fall in love with your idea and think you've got the best idea, but you you need to have that stress tested, and that can be stress tested at arm's length. If you've got a healthy relationship, obviously with the publisher, I think that's really beneficial for everyone. Uh, um, being able to be frank with each other as well, and to feel comfortable that you can be frank with each other, because here you have people. Who have been working on a title, perhaps on their own, uh, for a long time, and here comes a publishing guy saying, "Yeah, mm, that's not going to work." Um, that is a, a, a that can hurt your ego a little bit, I guess. Do we, in in terms of, I guess one of the things I'm making you re- you're making me realize, you're both making me realize, is perhaps the core craft of publishing. The fundamentals of what makes a good relationship between developer and publisher won't change, right? Is are, are the fundamentals of publishing still going to be the same for, for many years? Yeah, I, I think the that key tenant, as, as JP kind of alluded to as well, it's it's that relationship and it, it's the trust and going back and forth between the two parties and. The, the reason, well, one of the reasons we did the acquisition with Prior Division was because we'd been working with them on Ali Oli for, well, for a, a couple of years already. So we already knew each other. Um, so getting married at this point seemed like a sensible decision. But the, the way they would feed back to us on, you know, creative, creatively was really important to us. They, mm-hmm. they understood the game. And so all the feedback was always relevant. And even if they did come out with a, a left field suggestion, it was within the understanding of the context of the game. And the thing we really appreciated the most, uh, which we have seen at, at other places as well, but what Private Division did really well for us to go, here is our feedback. Up to you what you go and do with this. We didn't have to have a meeting two weeks later saying, uh, we implemented points 
three, seven, and nine of your feedback, but we didn't implement points one, two, and four. It was very much completely trusted um, to crack on with it, basically. And I think that actually works both ways as well, because we, we've had situations in the past where we've worked with publishers and we're like, what's the video? What's the trailer looking like? Right, we've got an editor. Mm-hmm. We can do this or we can do that part. And, you know, we, you've got to respect the, the publisher's boundaries as well. Go, right, you're the experts in that. And, you know, vice versa, here's our feedback. You can then do with that what you will. I think what we, um, in the past, when um, self-publishing um, just became a thing, and what Tom uh, mentioned earlier, uh, that there was a time that said, oh, you don't need a publisher anymore. And almost being a publisher sounded a bit like a, a bad word. Uh, it's like, oh my God, you're going with the publisher who does that these days. Uh, and um, then you find out that you you do need them um, and they can help you. And they have that same love of gaming that the developer has. They just look at it in a different way because we have a different expertise. And um, uh, what Tom mentioned is that like, uh, uh, whether it is uh, somebody creating a, a trailer and giving honest feedback on it or somebody coming up with a, a gameplay idea and giving honest feedback. And as long as it's honest and comes from a, 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 a good place, that's what builds a trust. That's when I think great things can happen. You know, something I'm also thinking about, you know, we've talked before, like Steam appeared and we went, self-publishing's the future. And pub- we don't need those corporate publishers anymore. And that hasn't quite turned out to be reality. But now something we've got on the radar is the rise of subscription services and cloud platforms. And arguably, like, you know, if you're on Games Pass or Apple Arcade or, you know, even games with their own subscription services or publishers like Ubisoft with their own portal and store and like, are they changing things much? Like, you know, do you, if you're get, do you just need to? I know this, I'm guessing this isn't the case. Get on a subscription service, and you don't need publishers anymore. No. JP, you appear to be shaking your head. No, you, 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 you still <laughs> need to build that community. I mean, it's not like pop on a game on a on on a storefront or get it into Game Pass, and off you go. Uh, it doesn't just magically get picked up. You still have to. Uh, um, um, find a community, build that community, and not only that, um, you still have to get that third-party validation, and therefrom uh, that can be a um, a a media partner um, that can be from a a a lifestyle magazine, a newspaper, um, a, an important influencer, or a a, a content creator. Uh, that you want to get on board and um that is such a a a, a big part of uh what you do and as a developer you might not have the time or the resources to get that done and that's where the expertise from a, a publisher and and i think because it is so fractured like you said though well that's again where the, the publisher Kind of comes in because you do have a lot of different choices and there are a lot of different opportunities and they can potentially be harnessed best when the publisher has all those different relationships at so all the different streaming services i'm sure there's going to be you know more coming online um over the next few years 
and to choosing where to go and ensuring you get the the best deal as well. It, it's not always the case, but again, you know, if, if a publisher is working at scale, they can potentially get a better deal for your game. Uh, and that doesn't, that's not just down to finance as well. That's down to positioning uh, actually within the portal. You know, we, Game Pass, as we mentioned, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on there. Getting on there doesn't guarantee that it's going to be seen. You need to be on that front page. Interesting, yeah. And I'm starting to think, you know, we've got, we've already mentioned community a few times, like they're having a new focus. I guess there's obviously esports and thinking of, you know, there's this new thing of games as venues. We've got gigs in Fortnite or a Sonic game being released in Roblox. And there's all these new things games can be like, am I going to feel enthusiastic or disappointed in hearing myself say the word metaverse? Like there's some interesting stuff there as well as some cynicism generating stuff, right? How much of these new realms are publishers going to have to adapt to? Or is that other people's business? Like JP, do you see that Gearbox might, uh, obviously different publishers, different specialties, but hypothetically might have to look at hosting esports events or working with agents and celebrities for an event in a game? Is that publishing? I think that all depends on the type of product that we have. I mean, we uh, we yeah. are working on a, a, a number of different projects on different platforms and different ways of bringing it to the people. And uh, um, yeah, that, that really uh, uh, depends. Uh, back in the day, uh, there was a collaboration uh, between Gearbox and uh, Epic where the Psycho Bandit uh, uh, from Borderlands was playable on Fortnite. Uh, personally, I think the 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 gigs that you have in Fortnite are amazing. Um, I I I don't do not claim to be an expert on the metaverse at all, um, but I think if there for me personally, uh, if there is anything that resembles the metaverse the most at this moment, it's events like that where you like log in with millions of people and watch Ariana Grande perform in, in Fortnite. I mean, uh, that was an amazing experience to watch. And Tom, I know, you know, I don't think of Roll7 as a metaverse company or uh, any of those, you know, of, you know, you're making kind of core games in a way, like brilliantly modern ones. God, culturally, Oli Oli World was one of the most modern forward-thinking games I've played, even though it was about skateboarding ostensibly. But do you, you know, again, hypothetically, rather than specifically talking about Oli Oli, Roll 7's existing games, do you see like a publisher as being someone that might be a part of a journey into future trends like that? Or, or do you think it's going to be other types of service companies working with you? That's a really interesting point. I, I think definitely, you know, the, the publisher has a, has a big role to play on that. And I, I suppose also we talked about Metaverse, but one of the other things you mentioned was was community as well. And I mm. think that obviously bleeds into the Metaverse as well. But I think community is absolutely key. And it, it obviously always has been key. You need a community because mm-hmm. you need people to buy your game. Yeah. For money at a, a later stage. But I think now the way that the community are interacting, I think there has been a big shift in the last two or three years. It's been coming a bit before that, mm-hmm. but it is the last couple of years where you actually mm-hmm. see active changes in the game from people watching live on Twitch, for example. And that 
really makes you think very differently about the game from the design point of view. And that goes all the way through to how you then market and release the game. So if there's a key part of your game which involves audience participation and essentially telling the streamer to go this way or that way, that's a very kind of reductive example, but it can be a lot more complex than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of a completely different way of designing, releasing, and marketing uh, that game. So I think that's somewhere where we're personally really interested. And we, we definitely need to work hand in hand with private vision to make sure we get that right. I've, and yeah, that, you know, oh, sorry, go on, Jack. I think it's also one of the most rewarding things uh, to work with community and reaching out to your community. Uh, um, Back in the old days, I'm I'm 45. Uh, community meant that you get a a magazine once uh, once a month, uh, and you read about your your favorite games. And now, you go on uh, uh, Reddit and or uh, uh, Discord, and you talk to your community manager. You you feel like you're uh, a part of something. And then when you, as I go to um, um, community events or consumer events and you see people that have been uh, working months on getting a cosplay outfit done and it's so beautiful I think that is amazing I, I just and and they know more about uh, your game than I do I I just think that it's I, I just want to give them a big hug because it's just, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, that's what you do it for, right? That's, uh, uh, we, we get to put a smile on people's faces. And you see uh, when people get into uh, um, your product that much, I mean, how can you not like that? Yeah, actually, the last episode of the Playable Futures podcast is about marketing. And a couple of things came up. Um, it was Mark from Heaven Media talking about, like, now, even if in theory, in a given moment, no one's playing your game. The fact that the stream content and fan art and maybe fan meetups and online events and all these various things, right, release the game exists increasingly through your community far beyond people turning it on and playing it, right? And there's more and more of that. So is it, yeah, will publishers have to... It sounds like publishing is going to have to continue to embrace the part of community that isn't just about humans putting hours into your playing games. Does that, does that feel familiar to both of you as something you, you want to be doing more of? Yeah, I, I think so. Definitely. It's like we're saying it's become such a bigger part of the, the landscape. And I think it's, I mean, not everyone's like this, you know, I, I'm not a very active user on social media. I know social media is a very small part of this segment when we talk about community. <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of new developers coming through now and, how they present themselves uh, online is a big part of uh, what they do and how they develop games. And that's not that you have to do that moving forward. You can still just make a game, but that's becoming an important part of how you develop and the kind of synergy of the initial idea. And so, again, kind of linking with a publisher who has similar ideas, you're going to need to be very aligned on what you want from that community. Um, and then also, it's really interesting where, who runs that community, kind of where, where that falls. Is it the developer? What are they doing? And what are the publisher doing? And you've got to be really clear about who does what to make sure you're not 
sending out the wrong message or dealing with the wrong audience. But that's that's another thing that again, probably four or five years ago, didn't wasn't really a massive consideration how you dealt with that. Yeah, uh, that that um, that's where the trust and the working together uh, uh, comes into play again because the developer might find somebody uh, on their forums or somewhere who is really an active uh, user and he's really engaged in the community and is also uh, almost a uh, like a celebrity within your uh, community and a publisher uh, uh, can help elevate that person to become that influencer or that content creator and uh, uh, be that advocate for your uh, for your game. It sounds like to me as you know, time time is passing, so I should probably wrap up already. Even though my head's full of so many more questions, but it sounds like two things are happening: is the fundamentals of what publishing is remains unchanged, and there's all these new things for publishers to apply that established mindset to. To finish, like, do you have any, you know, you don't have to be right in your answers here, but like, how, what might a publisher be in 10 years, 20 years? Will we still, obviously, goodness knows how much games would have changed by then, but are there any bold new models of what a publisher could be? Maybe we won't have any pu- publishers at all. Like, JP, where do you see publishing in 10, 20 years? <laughs> And if I knew that, <laughs> you're allowed to you're allowed to make wild, vibrant guesses. We won't. I won't be checking in in twenty years. Oh. Uh, uh, where I have no clue. There are a couple of things I do know is that um, things uh, um, will become uh, more meaningful. Your contact uh, uh, <laughs> between a publisher and a developer between a, a publisher and communities will be more democratic and uh, become more, um, uh, how do you call it, conversational. Um, mm. Other things won't change. Um, the fundamentals of publishing still apply. F- things like marketing or sales might change the way we go about, but... The, the the core idea behind publishing will still be there. Um, unfortunately, I do not have more for you uh, 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 than no, that. No, 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 that's okay. Tom, on your side, like maybe even again, like you know, you can be playful or out there, or or give me a sensible answer. But um, <laughs> like, where might you know? Do you like might we be at a point where there's new mod? Like, I guess for yourself, I'm thinking of like the developer publisher relationship. Like, where do you see that? How far could that change? So I, I think the even big if it's change, not much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think the big change is going to be the the barrier and the breakdown of that barrier between the game creators and the audience as that becomes more of an entangled, merged mm. thing. So game. I mean, we've already you know we've had early access for a long time, and obviously you know we have. Uh, Roblox, etc. Like you mentioned earlier, there really is a lot of stuff out there where things are being co-created. Uh, but I think those barriers are going to continue to, to fall, and that's going to be a really interesting area to be in, as stuff is almost being created on the fly, <laughs> in real yeah. time. How's that distributed? Uh, 
how is that owned? How is that yeah. managed moving forward? Um, yeah. Do your community like have uh, a right to some revenue because they're <laughs> developing this yeah. game? So I think yeah. that's where the what the publisher's doing at that point will potentially be very different in terms of like legal framework, uh, revenue stream, that's collected, how it's distributed. Mm. But at the yeah. same time, as JP said, there's always going to be that, right, we want to make something cool. How do we go about doing that? Let's work together to do that. Yeah. We need some money. We need to get it marketed. We need to get it released. And whatever guys that may be in the future. And that's very exciting. I mean, the futures, I I, I think it like things are uh, evolving so rapidly and it, it almost seems like it's getting uh, evolving more and more and more rapidly. But it also makes it very, very exciting to be in the industry. Uh, at this point in time mm. yeah you're making me think or both of you are making me think on our last episode i also spoke to a former battlefield producer remain who's one of the senior team at amplitude who have got this games together platform which is a development platform for their games that their community guides some of the development sounds like a similar break crossover might be happening with publishing so maybe just yeah, I mean, you already kind of said it, Tom, but it feels like the future is one where audience, developer, publisher, and some other things like community management are just going to become more kind of, in, I was going to say tangled up, interwoven. Like, it, does that sound a sensible prediction by me there? I think so. They're both nodding furiously. Well, ladies and gentlemen. As well. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. We'll, all, we'll have this call again in 20 years and all hold each other to account very seriously. No, I think, you know, uh, really fascinating chat. Um, feels like a nice place to end it, even though I could talk about this a lot more. But like, yeah, like you say, it's a positive and exciting future, right? There's going to be challenges, but plenty of solutions too. So, yeah, thank you so much, Tom, JP. Thanks for your time, your insight, your enthusiasm. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Playable Futures podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, what a fascinating conversation that was. Thanks so much for staying with us to the end. Um, all there is to say is join us again in a couple of weeks. Again, right here in the GI feed, we're going to be talking about something related to game publishing, the future of game consumption, where that's going with all these new ways to access, play, own, consume, subscribe to games. So see you in a couple of weeks. And of course, don't forget to check out the regular GI episodes too. Thanks. Thanks.